0: Today we're gonna to go back to the Unstoppable series. Now, if you have if you still can recall, we did about five to six messages on Unstoppable season one. Now we are moving to Unstoppable Season 2. So I want to begin uh, by saying that for today's message is a little bit challenging because we're gonna deal with the first martyr. And I know you might be wondering, oh pastor, are you gonna promote martyrdom? Absolutely not. But I want to go behind what makes Stephen the mother so incredible because those are huge lessons that every one of us can learn. Now the challenge is that's all together going to be 78 verses to cover. That's a lot of verses that we're going to work through, but I'm going to do my best, okay? Sorry, it says 68 verses that we're going to work through. Uh, so it's going to be found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6 verse 8, all the way to Acts chapter 7, verse 60. Now, before I do that, I want to kind of refresh back the memory of the word unstoppable. You know, every one of us eventually will have a story about unstoppable that we are going to tell. As some of us we can tell story of unstoppable how much we can eat. I remember one of our church members told me a story that they can at one go eat hundred satays. And in fact, this church member brag about eating about 10 to 12 pieces of KFC at one go. And all of us will look at that, that that's unstoppable. You know, but more than being unstoppable in some of us, the amount of words we're gonna say or talk, some of us is the work that we're gonna do. The Bible wants us to write an unstoppable story about partnering with God in making disciples. And that's really the heartbeat of the book of Acts. So as we talk about unstoppable, I want you to know that there's a grappling of that word. There is a resonate that will happen with that word, that the word doesn't just appear in letters, but those words actually appears in your heart. You know, when I think about this stricter MCO season, so to speak, it should not stop the gospel. In fact, yesterday night, uh, I had a discovering God. And uh, we had almost uh, nine or uh, 10 of them which is unchurched that sort of kind of joined in and uh, it was so, so privileged really to be able to share the gospel and uh, some of them are responding and talking. So I just want you to know that Unstoppable is really about the gospel. You know, I recall, I think one of the Discovering God sessions that I did, uh, which is about maybe four Discovering God a Go session. Uh, there was one particular person uh, who accepted Christ and her story was moving because after discovering God, she wanted to say yes to God. And then she said, Pastor, I want to say yes to God and can can we pray? But she said, can we do it on one Saturday morning at 6.30am? And I said, wow why, why is such a special timing and and then she said, and she began to tell me uh, that's because the husband uh was against and uh, but she will find that the gospel was so ir- was so irresistible that she wanted to give her life to God so at morning uh, somewhere six thirty to seven a m uh, and uh, she said the sinner's prayer. And even when she was saying that that morning, the husband wake up very early. She has to move around to find a certain spot where there's a private moment. And together with a friend that led her, three of us, uh, we prayed that sinner prayer and pray for her. You know, she joins every of our online service. In fact, I just got in touch with this person just two to three weeks ago. So I want to say that the gospel has to be unstoppable. Now, so in the book of Acts, uh, what was unstoppable was really the spread of the gospel. So in the book of Acts, when you can break it down, there are six season or six conclusion statements that was made. Uh, we did the first one, which is Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. We're going to do the second conclusion statement. We're going to do only three weekends all the way to Acts chapter 9. And then there's going to be another conclusive statement about the gospel that spread throughout Acts. Now, what was interesting was, nothing stopped the gospel in the book of Acts. Uh, The gospel continued to spread, not just regionally from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the parts of the earth, but it also spread among the marketplace, uh, the temple, the priests, uh, the commoners, the people in prison. I mean, the gospel just kept on growing and growing. And potentially one of the most moving parts was when Paul was in chain. And when he went to Rome, he says that, I am chained for all the Gospel. I am a prisoner for Christ, not for the Roman. And you can see that. How incredible was the heartbeat of Paul because he wants to see the Gospel being unstoppable. So I'm going to give you a verse which is Acts 1 verse 8. Maybe one of the verse to really define the book of Acts. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The whole book of Acts cover about 30 to 32 years of church history. So what we did was, in our first season, which is five to six messages up to Acts chapter 6 verse 7, we cover about the three years of the life in Jerusalem, how the gospel grew. Now, so what I'm going to walk through with you is a very quick summary so that you track along with us. Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, the first two chapters, of Acts was Jesus preparing the disciples, and, and his ascension post resurrection kind of helped the disciple to understand it is no longer Jesus saved, but it is Jesus sent. And you will know that because the immediate chapter after that was both Peter and John had a Jesus sent mentality and they walked to the temple and they met a guy, which is lame, laying at the gate called Beautiful. Now you know that that man, the Bible says, he's since young, 40 over years old. So I don't know when, but he has been sitting there at the same spot every day to receive arms, and, and because that day, they went with the mentality that Jesus sent. So they wanted to bring the world of God into this man's world. You know how sometimes in our daily life, we just kind of walk through our daily life, talk to the same people, meet the same auntie, meet the same neighbour, meet the same security guard, had the same lunch with our friend, eat the same food. We do the same thing again and again, but when you had a Jesus sent mentality, you see the same thing, but you see it differently. And that's what exactly happened to Peter and John. And the Bible tells us because of one miracle, that God did. It created such a havoc to the entire city. And uh, the religious people were just uproar and they begin to catch the disciples. So Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, the layman healed and it tells you, detailed the story of how the religious reacted and how the disciples responded. So the leaders of the religious sect reacted with a lot of threat and scolding and threats after threats, you know. But the Bible says the disciples responded with prayer and boldness and greater unity, right? Then, you move to Acts chapter 5 and chapter 6. It talks about the internal challenges that now begins to happen to the church. By then, the church is anywhere about twenty to 30,000. That's a big church. There are all kinds of internal challenges. they got integrity issue, and Sephirah's Sapphira's story, and they got the other, the disunity that begins to creep in because of the tension of the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebrew Jews. Right? And then the Bible talk about how God sent seven men. And Stephen is one of them which we're going to look at and he also talk about the external persecution that gets intense now because no longer the game threat; now they actually beat up the disciples. Now, with all that in mind, we're going to move a bit to Acts chapter 6, uh, verse 8 because that's where it begin. Because Acts 6, verse 8 now tells you the story, what happened with the choice man that got chosen, which is Stephen, a story of how as the gospel spread, now it is beyond the apostle. Now it's commoner people like Stephen uh, is going to be the one that spread the gospel. And in fact, next weekend, is going to be Philip, the, Samar- the guy that went to Samaria and God used him powerfully. But more than that, the external persecution begins to have more chapters develop itself because now it's no longer a threat. Now it's no longer they beat them up. Now it's a story of someone that's going to be killed because of their stand for Jesus. Alright? Now, so, uh, we're going to kind of look at the story of Stephen. Okay, now I want to give you, there are four remarks about Stephen that I thought was incredible, okay? Uh, first of all, the Bible described him as someone that is full of wisdom. You can find that in Acts chapter 6, verse 3 and 10 when they chose seven Hellenistic Jews to take care of the Hellenistic problem. Stephen is one of them. The Bible says he's full of wisdom. Then the Bible says he's full of Holy Spirit. Wow, I like that verse 3, verse 10, and verse 55. Then the Bible says he's a man that's full of faith. That is found in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And then the Bible says in the same verse that he's full of power. You know, I like the whole description of the fullness of who Stephen is. Uh, A couple of thoughts that are interesting about Stephen. Stephen is actually a very young Christian because he got saved during this entire revival. So by then, he's only two to three years old at most, if not only less than one year old Christian, depending how you look at it historically. Uh, But he was chosen to do the work of God. So he was nothing like the apostle. But when you later read about how Stephen preached a sermon, which is the longest sermon, by the way, in the book of Acts, uh, maybe potentially just want to help us to understand that he's such a good preacher. Uh, but he was brilliant. He quoted with so many different passages of Old Testament, almost verbal team, which is why he's able so uh, to quote that scripture. So it tells you that Stephen is someone that's so full of God, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, full of power, full of faith. And uh, it was an incredible story. You know why? Because it is, it is in the midst of persecution and when Stephen faced the impending death, out of his fullness, it comes everything out that is so full of God. You know, something that I want to just kind of say to all of you, you exactly know who you are when you face pressure. It is at moments of pressure, it reveals what are you full of. As some of us, when we go through pressure, we are full of complaint. We are full of murmuring. We are full of negative thoughts. We are full of giving up, quitting, suicidal, whatever. Because in moments of pressure, it really reveals who you are. And all this description about Stephen was in the midst of pressure. So much of God begin to exhibit out and display out of his life. So I pray that even as we learn about the story of Stephen, your prayer and my prayers, God, help me to be so full of you. And instead of having a meltdown, in our life, all right. Just very quickly, Stephen's background: Hellenist Jews, which is why he was chosen to handle the case. A very young Christian, uh, not like the typical apostle. But God began to use Stephen mightily, uh, which tells you that as the gospel continue to grow, it is not just the leader, it's not just the pastors; it's every one of us. God is going to use. And the Bibles is Acts chapter six, verse eight, actually begin by saying that God did many miracles, signs, and wonders through Stephen. And because of that, the religious leader again get jealous and get a hold of him. And this round, what happened was, as they tried to uh, talk with Stephen, they realised that they could not outwit him. They could not outtalk him because the Bible says he's so full of wisdom. And, and you know, and, and this is what happened, right? When you cannot outtalk someone, you try to harm that someone. And so what they did was, they began to make false accusation about Stephen. And then they begin to piece together false witnesses. as the accusation and false witnesses come together because of the intensity of the accusation. And this is what they accuse him of. They accuse him of someone that actually blasphemy against God and then blasphemy against Moses, blasphemy against the law and blasphemy against the temple. Now, if you understand the Judaism belief, you cannot go beyond that. That is your maximum blasphemy. For me, that you can ever done. You blasphemy against God, you blasphemy against Moses, which is the hero, you blasphemy against law, which they are the strictest when it comes to the law and following it by the dot. And then you blasphemy against the temple, which is the pride of the entire religious system centering around the temple. And when you had that, they there was such an uproar. So the Bible tells us that they piece together false accusation, and then they blame him for that. And you can read all of this in books of Acts chapter 6, verse 8 to 15. And then they take him, and then they meet up with the Sanhedrin council, where it's the same council that actually gave the judgment or the verdict when they actually few years ago judged who Jesus is. The same one. Now, can you imagine when they bring all this to the chief Chief high priest and Caiaphas and all these people. I can imagine the chief high priest was thought about. I thought three years ago, two years ago, four years ago, depending historically how you look at it. He says, I thought I got rid of Jesus. Now, the whole city of Jerusalem is filled with the gospel. Now, I got to deal with this again. Now, So when they brought Him to the high priest, we'll pick it up in Acts chapter 7. The high priest said this thing. Are this thing so? You know, Stephen was so brilliant. Uh, Stephen was just one thing to tell them who God is, and the, the the high priest just asked a very simple question. He said, "Is it true that this are the accusation about you?" And then. Stephen began to tell the story. Now, it is really a lot of information and there's no capacity I can walk through all of them. There's altogether 60 verses in the book of Acts chapter 7. So I'm going to kind of summarize it out for you in a few segments. So Acts chapter 7, verse 1 to 8 was really the story of Abraham as uh, Stephen gave the whole entire council and the, the so-called the whoever that was there on that day a history lesson. But the history lesson was to defend the fact that they said that he blasphemed against God, he blasphemed against Abraham, I mean against Moses, against the Lord, against the temple. So you will find that his defence was exactly in accordingly. I really like the way Stephen starts. You know why? Because Stephen says in Acts chapter 7, And this is what uh, the Bible says, okay? He says that brethren and fathers. So he was very polite. He called them as such. He says, listen. He says, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham and he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. And if you kind of, Looked through the whole verse, I think there was about fifteen times, if I'm not mistaken, he kept on mentioning God. God, he was trying to tell them that you think I blasphemy against God? No, let me tell you how much I love God. And he kept on telling. And I really like the way he introduced who God is because he says it is the God of glory. You know, later when we come to the end of Acts chapter seven, it ends with the glory of God. What a contrast! God of glory the glory of God. You know, I have this little sneaky feeling that Stephen was trying to tell us a story. And the story is if you are someone who can trust your life to the God of glory, you eventually will be a witness of the glory of God. If you are someone who always choose the God of glory, just in your daily life, in your decision making, you will be someone that eventually get to experience the glory of God. And I I want you to kind of chew on that and think about that because I want to live that with you At the end of the message, that let's be people who surrender our life to the God of glory, so that one day we will be like Stephen and we get to witness the glory of God. All right. Now, uh, then, Acts chapter seven, verse nine to sixteen, was the story of the patriarch. I talk about Joseph and all of that. Now, there was a reason he talked about all of this. I'll come to that shortly. And then, Acts chapter seventeen, verse thirty-six, it was the story of Moses. He connected the patriarch Joseph all the way to Moses simply because he was wanting to tell the nation of Israel, you accused me of blasphemy against them. I want to show you I did not, but instead, you were the one that blasphemed against God, against Moses, against law, and eventually against the temple. Why? Because in his defense, he was telling the nation of Israel, your fathers rejected Joseph. Your forefathers rejected Moses. Because when Moses had in his heart to deliver the nation of Israel, they asked Moses, who are you? Right? And he was trying to show them when you recall the historical incidents of Abraham, of Patriarch, of Moses, and of Israel in the wilderness, and then the story of Tabernacle. When you piece all together, it wasn't Stephen that actually blasphemy against God, against Moses. It was actually the nation of Israel. It was your fathers. It was every one of you who consistently resisted and you killed the prophets and you are the one that actually blasphemy against God. So Stephen was so brilliant. And I know in between the entire story, there were a lot of details, but no way we can walk through them. So I just give you an enough. But as you go back and reread it, you will begin to see that Stephen was so full of wisdom so full of the Holy Spirit, and then He told the nation of Israel, He says, actually, it wasn't me. It was actually every one of you who blasphemed against God, against Holy Spirit, against Moses, against the law. He says, you did not take care of the law. The law was given to you, the privilege. But what did you do with the law? You take the law and kill. And the temple, this entire place was meant to be a place for people to encounter God. But you made it difficult for people, right? Uh, So as he kind of walked through all of that, and then, which is why he ended... In verse 51 to 53. Acts chapter 7, verse 51 to 53. Let me just read that. The Bible says that you stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Wow, not only in your heart, but in your ears. Not willing to listen, which means that uh, not only our heart can be dull towards God, sometimes our ears. You know, every one of you are listening to the Word of God this morning. Not only you listen to a heart, but it begins with your ears. Are you listening to what God is saying? It says you always resist the Holy Spirit. Not just once. He says you always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are watching this, I want to encourage you that in your heart says, God, help me never to be someone who stopped the Holy Spirit. You never resist. The Holy Spirit wants to grow, let it be. If Holy Spirit want, let it be. Do not stop. You know, parents, sometimes we, we will look at our child and we want them to go a certain pathway. I want you to know that do not resist. If God is doing something in their life, be someone that cheer them on. And then, as your father did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Wow, that was just a tight slap on their face. And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. Now, you can see that as it goes, Stephen was very intense and he begins to throw to them. He says, now, you not only are people who you think you are the guardian of the gospel, actually, you became people who betray and murder, murderer of the gospel, all right, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. So all of a sudden, uh, this Stephen, as he began to recount the story of the whole nation of Israel, he recounted it in such a way and pushed it back against all the Jewish council and Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin and every. He turns the table. He now tells them that actually you are the one that actually blasphemy against God. You killed Jesus. And he just went on and on and all the prophets. Now, can you imagine when he did that with all the nation of Israel and the religious leader, which is hardened in their heart. The Bible tells them that they were absolutely uproar. uh, And there was such a hardening in their heart that they refused to listen to what Stephen has to say. And they rose up. And then we're going to move on to the last portion of the message, which is Acts chapter 7, 54 to 60. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. That's what the Bible says. And they gnashed at Him with their teeth, which means that they were so upset. They, they kind of gnashed at their teeth. But He being full of the Holy Spirit, You know, what a contrast. These are the people that are so full of anger. They were so full of hatred and jealousy. And Stephen, on the other hand, was full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Remember, he begins with God of glory, he ends with the glory of God. And then he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, behold, the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And that was exactly what Stephen saw. You know, Luke chapter 12 tells us this, he says, whenever that you are put in a, and face the council, and when you needed to defend, he says, you don't worry what you needed to say. And I think Stephen experienced exactly what Jesus predicted in the Gospel. It says that when during persecution, uh, some of us will face uh, judgment, and some of us will face very difficult journey. And Jesus talked about the additional grace of God that will be upon us. And you look at Stephen, absolutely no fear but so full of grace. And out of that grace, he was at peace. And he gazed into heaven and saw Jesus standing. You know, when you think about it, Jesus in heaven, what posture should he be having? He was actually supposed to be sitting down, right? And the Bible says he was seated at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. But in this picture, Jesus was standing up. So it shows you what Stephen has to go through and the life of God working through him it also show you what Jesus was going through up there. And the Bible says He stood and almost just be that little welcoming and standing ovation and just, just that little honouring that Jesus had as He looked at this man who was willing to stand his ground for the Gospel. You know, Romans 12.12 12 says that patient in tribulation. And last weekend, we talked about standing your ground. And Stephen, that's what he did. He just stood his ground as he honour God in that little moment. Then the Bible says in verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. That means they took him out of the city. In fact, if you go to Israel, there's this called the Stephen's Gate and some people believe that was the place where they cast him out, thrown him to the cliff and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now this is a very important transition. Because in Acts chapter 8, chapter 9, especially chapter 9, you're going to see a new figure called Saul. The one that's going to be responsible to take the gospel to the ends of the world. And so this particular incident, no. So so you, you may ask, why did you choose, why did the Bible choose the story of Stephen? Because the story of Stephen has connection to who Paul is. Now, so remember, Stephen was at a synagogue and he did all of this. It was a Hellenistic synagogue. Paul being a young man, really the tale of two young men. And by then, potentially Paul felt like this guy or Saul felt like this guy was so for the gospel and he wanted to persecute him. And I'm I'm sure he sort of did that because the Bible says there was a young man and, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying that, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charged them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So anyway, so eventually we'll get to read about how Saul is. But it was interesting, when God caught Saul, he told Saul this, he said, it was impossible that you keep against the goat. And I feel that that particular statement has to do with when Saul saw the steadfastness of Stephen, when he saw the steadfastness of Stephen standing there for God. Something moved in Saul's heart. And the final part that Stephen did was he called upon God. He says, God, receive my spirit. He knelt down, he cried out with a loud voice. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, what did he do? He was so full of love, so full of grace. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Stephen said the same thing, but in a different way. He says, God, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. You know, I think that little phrase, fallacy was to help us to understand that was how peaceful Stephen was even in the midst of persecution. You know, I kind of want to draw all this to a close. And when you think about the last episode, you got everybody that's so full of anger, so full of hatred. And then you got, Peter, you got Stephen, so full of grace, full of love, full of spirit, and embracing what was most painful and difficult death, but he was so full of God. And then you got a picture of God that is up there, uh, who is so proud of Stephen. That three little interplay of sin, I think gives us uh, this little idea that when you and I are going through life, uh, there's the external response, there is the internal response, and there is also a divine response from God. It is the determination factor. Is what are you full of? And the Bible says for Stephen, he for Stephen, he was full of grace, full of love, full of wisdom, full of power, and he exactly exhibited that. You know, when I think about Stephen's life, uh, my desire and my prayer is God. I want to be like Stephen. I I want to be like him who is someone who knows the Bible so full of wisdom, so full of truth, so full of God, that no matter where I go, there's always a display of the love and the grace of God uh, to people around us. And I think it is that little thing that helps to bring the peace of God and really that love of God no matter where we are. Stephen is a man full of wisdom, full of faith, full of spirit, full of power. He wrote such an incredible chapter of what it means when we face life, adversity at the worst. And because of what you are full of, that exhibits out and that carries you through the storm. Uh, You know, that's the desire. I want to learn from that and I want to live like that. Uh, I want to end by uh, this little text that I receive, okay? Now, my story doesn't really match with what I shared just now. But my story was trying to illustrate that something about when we choose to live our life in a simple manner for God, we get to always be blessed and see the work of God done in people's life. Uh, So last Sunday, uh, after service, Right, and um, I received this text. So this person who texted me was someone whom I had the opportunity to lead to God through Zoom via Discovering God, maybe about five, six seasons ago. But what was interesting was this particular person was actually someone who responded to a survey that I needed to do for Wheaton College. I needed to interview five people, and this is one of the person that I interviewed to find out about what's their take on faith, and what's their resistance, and what's the challenge. Okay, in that interview, I. Ask this person, why don't you come for discovering God? And then this person said, okay, I'm open to come for discovering God. So last Sunday, this person, which is about one-year-old Christian, uh, wrote this to me, or slightly more than one-year-old. This is what she said. She said, you know, it's been a year I accepted Christ. So one-year-old. I just want to take the chance to thank you for helping me to understand who God is and leading me to Christ. If it is not because of the survey that you spread out last year, I wouldn't encounter discovering God's session and be where I am today. I felt like sharing my encounter with God, it just happened last night during worship and prayer night. That was just last weekend. I'd really be amazed by how God works. And then she began to tell me a story of how in that little story, this person get to encounter the love of God and the reality of God in her life. You know, I remember on Sunday when I received this text, uh, Sunday was uh, Last weekend was crazy. I got to preach a couple of sermons for churches and, you know, the different things I needed to do. And but when I received this text, uh, I just felt such a rush of emotion and satisfaction within my heart. And not because of what I've done. It's all because of that little life decision that I decided to live my life. I want to live my life having the God of glory. And in that journey, I feel that when we choose to do so, we get to see glimpses of the glory of God in different people's lives. I want to encourage every one of you who is listening and watching this message. Uh, martyrdom is not what I'm going to lead you to, but a life full of faith, full of wisdom, full of God is what makes different such an incredible testimony and a man of God that changed so many lives. And that's what I want to pray for you as we bring all this to a close. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful to you uh, that today we take a glimpse of who Stephen is. And not just his martyrdom, but the making of Stephen. And how he was such a young believer, but gave his life to you. And he acknowledged you as the God of glory. So even as we all of us stand or sit in our own respective space and place, there is a turning of our hearts to look to heaven and say, God, may my life live, may I choose to live a life for the God of glory so that at the end of my life, no matter how it ends, I'm going to meet the glory of God and help me to evaluate what am I full of. And I pray that I'll take a journey to be full of God, full of love, full of Holy Spirit, full of faith, And that will be my life, just as the life of Stephen. Lord, I bless everyone who is watching this. We decide and we pray for that. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. Amen, amen. Trust that God has blessed you. Thank you.